Good morning, wherever you are. Our Book Collector podcast this week concerns one of the masterpieces of the English language, never out of print since being published in 1788. I refer to The Natural History of Selborne by Gilbert White, who was number 43 in our series, Some Uncollected Authors, published in The Book Collector in the autumn issue for 1968. The author of the piece was Claude Prance, author also of Peppercorn Papers, a collection of articles on books and book collecting. Gilbert White is read here by Kate Rooksby. James Russell Lowell described Gilbert White's writings as the Journal of Adam in Paradise. Edmund Blunden called him the Prose Virgil of England while the naturalist L. C. Mile said, I can, after forty or four hundred readings, take up the natural history of Selborne again and brighten with it that last hour of the day when the work is put aside and the house is still. To form an author collection of a writer who published only one book during his lifetime may seem to lack interest and to be working in too narrow a field but I have not found it so. The interest of Gilbert White's book is perennial, and it has been so popular that about 200 editions have been issued during its life of nearly 180 years. Yet collectors of the book and its associations have not been numerous. Some of the foremost naturalists of each generation have edited and they, and many others, have supplied notes and introductions of considerable interest which have added to the reader's appreciation of the book. It has been said that probably no other book in any language has incited more people to take up the study of natural history. Gilbert White was born in 1720 at the vicarage Selborne, Hampshire, was educated at Basingstoke, either at the grammar school or privately, and went to Oriel College, Oxford. He was ordained deacon in 1747. He was a fellow of Oriel for 50 years. In due time, he was junior proctor at Oxford and dean of Oriel, but his whole life revolved around his beloved village of Selborne, of which he was curate three times. In 1751, he started a garden calendar, the beginning of the invaluable records which he kept in various forms for the rest of his life, upon which he drew for material for letters to his friends and for his famous book. His brother, Benjamin White, was the principal publisher in England of books on natural history, and probably through him, Gilbert met Thomas Pennant and Danes Barrington, to whom the letters in his book were addressed. Thomas Pennant was a naturalist and antiquary, a fellow of the Royal Society, and the best-known zoologist of his day. He first met White in 1767, and Gilbert White's first letter to him was dated 10th of August, 1767. The correspondence continued for many years. White supplied Pennant with much information on natural history, some of which was included in the second edition of Pennant's British Zoology. A copy inscribed by Pennant to White is now in the British Museum. The Honourable Danes Barrington was a lawyer, antiquary and naturalist, also a fellow of the Royal Society, and a friend of Dr. Johnson. 
In fact, he was one of the original members of Johnson's Essex Head Club, and he proposed Boswell as a member. He subsequently became a Welsh judge and recorder of Bristol. He is one of Charles Lamb's old benchers of the Inner Temple. White's first letter to Barrington was dated 30th of June, 1769, and the similarity of their interests can be seen by Barrington's papers to the Royal Society on the torpidity of swallows and the periodical appearing and disappearing of certain birds at different times of the year. These papers were later included in Barrington's Miscellanies in 1781. Although both Pennant and Barrington were well known in their day, they are now largely forgotten, and their names survive chiefly through the fame of Gilbert White, the simple country parson. About 1771 it was suggested to White by several people that he should publish the results of his observation in natural history as a book, and rather reluctantly he decided to do so. He set out first to write a natural history of the year, although his real aim was to compile a parish history. What he achieved was one of the most fascinating books in the English language, with, as Robert Blatchford so rightly said, his sweet and clear expression, picturesqueness, and graphic and swift delineation. White's charms lay largely in that he wrote only of what he saw, and not through the eyes of others. In addition, he had discovered several new species. The plan for his book was to include slightly amended versions of his letters to Pennant and Barrington, with additional material in the form of letters on the antiquities of Selborne. For publication, he wrote specially nine additional letters to Pennant as an introduction to the actual correspondence, as a conclusion some of the last letters to Barrington. None of these additional letters were sent to either of his friends. Altogether, there are 44 letters to Pennant and 66 letters to Barrington, followed by 26 letters on the Antiquities. For the purposes of publication, White himself copied most of the letters, but a few are in the handwriting of his nephew, John White, who acted as his amanuensis. On Gilbert White's death, the autograph manuscript of the book passed to his brother, Benjamin subsequently to other members of the White family, until at 1895 it was sold at Sotheby's for 280 guineas. It was bought by Stuart M. Samuel M.P. and remained in his collection until he sold it, again at Sotheby's, in 1907 for £750. Dr. Rosenbach bought it in 1923, and it seems to have lain in his vaults until 1940, when he sold it to Arthur A. Houghton, Jr. for $12,500. To this manuscript has since been added the holograph prefatory advertisement, and the whole is in the library at Y Plantation. The original manuscript letters actually sent to Pennant and buried him are also in existence. The majority are in the British Museum, but a few are owned by the Selborne Society and the Gilbert White Museum. They contain a fair amount of material not included in the published book. For purposes of publication, White has rearranged some of the letters, sometimes splitting one letter into two or more for the book. White took a very long time to complete his book, about 18 years 
from the first proposal, but it was, in fact, the work of a lifetime. He had hoped for publication in the spring of 1788, and his advertisement is dated January the 1st, 1788, but we find that he did not send the manuscript of the Antiquities to the printers until February 1788. The title page is dated 1789, but he had started to send advance copies to his relatives and friends in November 1788. The book was published by his brother, Benjamin White, who also published books by Pennant, Montague, and other well-known naturalists. It is a handsome quarto with illustrations by the Swiss artist S. H. Grimm, the artist who had stayed with White at Selborne for 28 days and had worked at a cost of two guineas and a half a week, provided 12 drawings, not all of which were used. Copies of the first edition occur fairly frequently in booksellers' catalogues, but it is interesting to note that back in 1903, Trugaskis had a copy with an oak leaf, said to be from a tree planted by Gilbert White, pasted onto the flyleaf. In 1910, a copy was sold with a holograph letter inserted from White to Sir Joseph Banks, dated 21st April, 1768, and the late A. Edward Newton possessed Horace Walpole's copy. One does not readily associate Walpole with natural history, but no doubt he was interested in the antiquities, and his library included Miller's Gardener's Dictionary, his garden calendar, Pennant's work, Buffon's Natural History, and Plot's Natural History of Staffordshire, so White's book would have been in good company. Walpole kept it in that part of Strawberry Hill called the Library over the Offices, and curiously, the auctioneer, George Robbins of Covent Garden, who sold Walpole's library in 1842, had also sold White's house, The Wakes, in 1840. Some years ago, I acquired a copy of the first edition of the Natural History of Selborne, which had belonged to Robert Marsham, a naturalist living in Norfolk. Marsham was induced to read White's book by William Wyndham, the politician and member of Parliament for Norwich, and the naturalist was so delighted with it that he wrote to White at once, expressing his pleasure. A number of letters were exchanged between them. Robert Marsham was born in 1708 and educated at Cambridge. He had travelled widely, collecting information on arboriculture, his lifelong interest. His letters to White contained many references to the planting and growth of trees, and he contributed the results of his experiments to the transactions of the Royal Society. He died in 1797. White also loved trees, and as C.S. Emden said, who could fail to love trees if living at Selborne? Marsham recorded the indications of spring and published them in 1789, sending a copy to Gilbert White. It was at Marsham's house that Benjamin Stillingfleet wrote his calendar of Flora, in 1755. Marsham has added his signature and made copious notes in my copy of White's book, some of which are of considerable interest. Occasionally they contain the germ of his letters to White and sometimes supplement them. As I felt that they might be of interest to others, I printed them in my book, Peppercorn Papers, 1965. White had much respect for Marsham's opinions, 
and finished his letter of 17th December, 1799, with, Oh, that I had known you forty years ago! In 1876, the correspondence between the two naturalists was printed in the Transactions of the Norfolk and Norwich Naturalist Society, and it has been included in some later editions of White's book. Another naturalist who wrote to White on the publication of his book was George Montague, the future author of the Ornithological Dictionary. But although he expressed pleasure in White's book, he seemed concerned mainly with asking for specimens for his collection. White had a number of distinguished friends besides Pennant and Barrington. He corresponded with Sir Joseph Banks and the Reverend John Lightfoot, the botanist who accompanied Pennant on his tour of Scotland. He was acquainted with Dr. Nash, the historian of Worcestershire, and with Dr. Chandler, the distinguished antiquary and traveller who helped him with much of the material used in the antiquities. On the publication of White's book, it was reviewed in the Gentleman's Magazine by his brother Thomas, who was a fellow of the Royal Society. Thomas White had himself projected a history of Hampshire, but it does not seem to have materialised. No further edition of White's book was called for in England during his lifetime. But what Rashley Holt White, his great-grand-nephew and biographer, calls a curiously compressed translation, was published in Berlin in 1792. In 1795, Dr. Aiken, the brother of Mrs. Barbold and a popularizer of science, extracted from White's unpublished diaries and journals material which was published under the title of A Naturalist Calendar by B. and J. White, the original publishers who issued the natural history. Dr. Aiken had himself published A Natural History of the Year, which White mentioned in his book as the reason for not including it in his Annus Historico Naturalis. Then in 1802, nine years after White's death, came the second edition. This was arranged by Dr. Aiken and contains a short biography of Gilbert White by John White, his nephew. The antiquities were omitted from this edition, but it contained the naturalist calendar, miscellaneous observations extracted from White's papers, and a calendar and observations by William Mawick, the author of Aves Sussexiensis. A most interesting copy of this edition is in the British Museum, annotated by S. T. Coleridge. One of his notes of mild criticism finishes with the words, I trust that this note will not be considered as lessening the value of this sweet, delightful book. It appears that this copy either passed from Coleridge to Southey or was lent by Southey to S.T.C. in his usual way was only too ready to annotate his friend's book, for it is bound in one of Southey's Contonian bindings. As a former owner said, probably by Mrs. Wordsworth in one of her old gowns, an illustration of the binding is reproduced in the book Collector Winter, 1954, page 298. Coleridge's notes were reprinted in Grant Allen's edition of The Natural History of Selborne in 1900. Although particulars of later editions are more properly relegated to the bibliography, it may be well to mention Professor Bell's edition of 1877, 
because of its excellence and the large amount of new material about Gilbert White which Bell prints in his second volume. Thomas Bell was a distinguished dental surgeon, but he was also professor of zoology in King's College, London, a considerable author and greatly interested in natural history. He lived for over 30 years in Gilbert White's house, The Wakes, at Selborne, and collected relics and memorials of White, as well as observing wildlife in the Selborne area. He was thus admirably qualified to edit White's book. He had the help of Professor Newton, who supplied most of the notes on birds. Bell's first volume included The Naturalist Calendar, The Observations on Various Parts of Nature, and The Poems, in addition to the Natural History and Antiquities as originally issued, and there was a long memoir of White by Bell. In the second volume, the new material is collected and includes correspondence with Gilbert White's brother, John White, letters from John White to Linnaeus, correspondence with Gilbert White's family and various friends, including Robert Marsham, White's account book during his proctorship, some extracts from the garden calendar, a sermon, and much material of interest. Although Gilbert White published only one book, he could scarcely be described as Homo Unias Libri. He wrote much else, particularly in his journals and diaries. He was also a constant letter writer. His garden calendar was kept from 1751 to 1771 and was published in Bowdler Sharp's edition of The Natural History. In 1768, Barrington gave him a printed book designed to record similar data, and this became Naturalist Journal, in which White entered his observations from 1768 until his death in 1793. Some extracts from it were published by Edward Jess in his Gleanings in Natural History, second series in 1834. But the bulk of the material was not printed until Walter Johnson published his delightful book in 1931. He selected for publication passages not already used by Gilbert White in his book, which have scientific worth or shed light on White's social life. The original manuscripts of both calendar and journals are in the British Museum. Additionally, White kept a calendar of flora for the year 1766, and a facsimile of this was published by the Selborne Society in 1911. Gilbert White had in fact commenced author somewhat earlier than the publication of his famous book, for he wrote two papers on the Hirundines, which were communicated to the Royal Society by Danes Barrington in 1774 and 1775, and subsequently published in the Philosophical Transactions. The titles of the papers were An Account of the House Martin, or Martlet, and Of the House Swallow, Swift, and San Martin. White subsequently included them in the Natural History as letters 16, 18, 20, and 21, to Barrington. White also had a letter about the poet William Collins, published in the Gentleman's Magazine of 1781, and had contributed two poems to the magazine in 1783. In 1792, White wrote a paper on the Fern Owl, which he hoped to have communicated to the Royal Society by Barrington, but the latter had then severed his connection with the Society. 
Mr. Walter S. Scott suggested that White ought to have seized the opportunity presented by Dr. James Anderson, who wrote to him for contributions to his periodical The Bee, but he did not do so. It will be remembered that Dr. Anderson was introduced to Charles Lamb by George Dyer, with a request for contributions to a later publication. Lamb's amusing letter describes the doctor as an old gentleman who ties his breeches, knees with pack-thread, and boasts that he has been disappointed by ministers. But Lamb did contribute some verses. In the library of Oriel College, Oxford, is a notebook kept by Gilbert White in which he has entered an account of books that I carried to Basingstoke, January 17, 1738-9, i.e. to school. Among the list is a copy of Thompson's Seasons, sandwiched between Isocrates and Scholar's Manual. Some years ago I obtained a copy of Thompson's Seasons, 1735, which bears Gilbert White's autograph on the title page, and on the flyleaf he has added Gil, colon, White, Call, colon, Oriel, colon, 1741. I can find no trace of a copy bought while he was at Oxford, so I assume that my copy is that carried to Basingstoke. Possibly he wrote his name on the title page when he acquired it, and soon after he went up to Oriel, added the further signature and address on the flyleaf as a means of identification should the book be lent to others. In this copy of the seasons are numerous pencil marks, chiefly underlinings of certain passages. Progressive figures have also been added in the margin in a handwriting which appears to be that of Gilbert White, and the figure of a hand is drawn with extended finger to indicate what were, no doubt, favourite passages. Some of the passages are quoted in White's journals, his letters and the natural history. John Mulso, his Oriel friend, states in a letter to White in 1752 that he is reading Pope and longing for your indicative finger to point out the beauties, so perhaps it was White's practice so to mark his books. White studied the seasons carefully and modelled some of his own poems on it. It seems, however, that he must have owned a copy of a later edition or had access to one, for some of the lines he quotes differ slightly from the 1735 edition and follow later editions in which Thompson altered and added to his poem during his lifetime. Some words underlined in my copy appear in italics in the printed version of the journals. The title page of this copy also bears the signature J and E. White, which I assume to be that of John White or his wife Elizabeth. John White, Gibraltar Jack, was one of Gilbert's favourite nephews. He copied some of the natural history letters for the printers, and his uncle bequeathed him part of his library. In 1763, Gilbert White entertained the attractive girls Anna, Catherine, and Philadelphia Batty, who were staying at the vicarage, and Catherine Batty wrote a fascinating account of the visit to Selborne, which she entitled a little journal of some of the happiest days I have had in the Happy Valley in the year 1763. In it, she describes Thomas Mulso, John's brother, reading to the three sorceresses from Thompson's Seasons, 
I like to think that he used my copy of the book on that occasion. Gilbert White's brother John was chaplain in a Gibraltar for sixteen years, and many interesting letters passed between the two, for Gilbert persuaded his brother to keep records of natural history on the rock and to form them into a book. Unfortunately, John did not succeed in persuading their brother Benjamin, the publisher, to issue the book. The manuscript lingered in the White family until about 1839 and seems to have disappeared when the last member left the wakes, although Professor Bell is said to have stated that it existed in London in 1850 but gave no clue as to its whereabouts. Only the introduction survives and was published by W. H. Mullins in 1913 for the Selborne Society, in whose magazine it had previously been printed. The title is The Introduction to Fauna Calpensis, A Natural History of Gibraltar in Southern Spain. Considerable light is thrown on Gilbert White's life by the letters written to him by John Molso, and which were published in 1907. Unfortunately, White's letters to Molso have perished. Molso and White were lifelong friends and visited one another from time to time. The most famous member of Molso's family was his sister Hester, who was well known to Gilbert White. She became the celebrated Mrs. Chapone, a contributor to Johnson's Rambler, author of Letters to a Young Lady on the Improvement of the Mind, and a friend of Richardson, Johnson, Mrs. Montague, and Mrs. Carter. It was to her niece, John Molso's daughter Hester, that Gilbert White's famous letter from Timothy the Tortoise, was written. In 1946, Miss Sylvia Townsend Warner published a small but fascinating book entitled The Portrait of a Tortoise, which is made up of extracts about Timothy from the journals and other writings. Timothy's carapace is in the Natural History Museum in South Kensington. The many editions of White's book have attracted some of the foremost illustrators of each generation. White himself was satisfied with S. H. Grimm, his chosen artist, but the drawings were criticized by his friend Molso. During the 19th century, many well-known illustrators, including Branston, J. R. Jackson, W. Harvey, Charlton Nesbitt, J. Thompson, Burkett Foster, Dalziel, Wimper, Delamotte, Harrison Weir, and Clifton Johnson all drew pictures for the book. Some of the best illustrations of birds were those of Thomas Bute, which, while not done specially for the book, are keeping with its style and were included in Harting's edition. In the early part of the 20th century, we have had E. H. New, J. G. Kuhlmans, Herbert Railton and Edmund J. Sullivan. In recent years, fine illustrations have been provided by Eric Daglish, Claire Oldham, Eric Revilius, John Nash, and John Piper. Of relics of Gilbert White, many are preserved, particularly by the Gilbert White Museum and the Selborne Society. But one of the most interesting is the copy of Pope's Iliad, now in the British Museum. This, which was found at Alton in 1914, bears the inscription, Volume 1, in White's handwriting. Gilbert White, 
Oriel College, Oxon, given to me by Mr. Alexander Pope on my taking the degree of B.A., June the 30th, 1743. On the flyleaf of Volume 3 is a pen and ink sketch with the inscription Portrait of G.W., penned by T.C. On the flyleaf of Volume 5 is a small pen and ink portrait, which is certainly the same head. These may well be the only authentic portraits we have of Gilbert White. T.C. is probably Thomas Chapman, an Oriel friend, who subsequently became senior proctor when Gilbert White was junior proctor. A considerable literature has grown up about Gilbert White, the cornerstone of which is Rashley Holt White's The Life and Letters of Gilbert White, 1901. This is supplemented by the publication of Mulso's Letters, Many well-known authors have written of White, including Robert Blatchford, W. H. Hudson, Edmund Blandon, Edward Thomas, R. M. Lockley, E. M. Nicholson, C. S. Emden, R. S. R. Fitter, and H. J. Massingham. One of the most interesting was W. Ward Fowler, a tutor and sub-rector of Lincoln College, Oxford. He edited with L. C. Meal one of the best editions of the natural history, and himself wrote a book about his own village of Kingham in Oxfordshire, which has been described by Sir Julian Huxley as the only book I know which has the same quality as White Selborne. Gilbert White several times gave up opportunities of improving his material position in life because he would not leave his beloved village, and he refused a number of preferments. His friend John Mulso, writing to him in 1774, said, You are yourself the richest man I know, for you are the only man of my acquaintance that does not want money. Perhaps the last word on the natural history of Selborne is that of Ward Fowler. As a man, he must have had his faults, but as a writer of his one book, he assuredly came very near. To perfection. That was Kate Rooksby reading Gilbert White, a piece published in The Book Collector in autumn 1968. Why not check out our Great Collectors playlist for more podcasts featuring the biggest names in book collecting and bibliography? Visit thebookcollector.co.uk today.